Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It is Friday. It's August 10th. It's just about 11 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. I should mention that our talk show is part of our Caregiving Podcast Network, and our podcasters share stories and insights and perspectives that help you as you care for a family member. It is the second Friday of the month, so that means that we are having our Change Leaders podcast. So every month, my co-host, Lisa B. Cap and I get together and talk about what's a perspective or a viewpoint, a situation, even a relationship we can change as family caregivers and former family caregivers. We are change leaders. The opportunity for change is ours, and we talk about it every month. Just a couple quick updates for you. We are celebrating caregiving.com's 22nd birthday, which is like a miracle. (laughs) Honest to goodness, it is a miracle that we've made it this far, so we're celebrating. And you can drop by caregiving.com to join the celebration for a chance to win. We are giving away gifts and a grand prize. And the grand prize is a free seat in one of our upcoming Certified Caregiving Consultant Training Programs. You pick the date if you win. I want to mention that we've actually launched something new yesterday, and it's an ongoing project, and it's called the Caregiving Story Project. As certified caregiving consultants, we learn a certain way to listen to your story, and we'd love to know if it works. So we'd love for you to sign up and spend 30 minutes with one of our consultants. During the 30 minutes, you share a four-minute story. You can share it from a note, your notes, a script. You can read it to us, or you could just share it from the heart, whatever works for you. After we hear your story, we'll engage in a conversation about it. During the next, it'll take about 30 minutes. At the end of the conversation, we ask you to complete a survey to let us know how we did. And if you want, you can continue working with the consultant. However, it's up to you. The consultant will make the offer. If you don't want to, simply decline. We'd love for you to do this. If you are currently caring for a family member or have previously cared for a family member, you have a story to tell, and we want to hear it. You can go to caregiving.com for more information. If you want to go directly to the page that talks about the project, go to caregiving.com slash story. And those are the updates for you. So joining me this morning is Lisa B. Cap. Lisa is a blogger, an activist, and a dementia caregiving survivor. As a high-tech change consultant, Lisa worked with leaders of global business, governments, and nonprofits. Her passion for empowering strength through transition and her professional work is now focused on those living a care partner life. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for being with us today. Good morning, Denise. And first and foremost, let me wish caregiving.com a happy 22nd birthday. I'm really excited to be doing a podcast with you this week during your birthday week. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I I just think, oh, my heavens, how did that happen? Oh, it it is amazing. And, you know, I really treasure the year I've spent with you and your work. This work means so much to so many people who connect to caregiving.com, and I'm grateful that I did. Yes. 
And I should mention that Lisa is one of our panel discussion leaders and presenters at our upcoming third annual National Caregiving Conference, which happens November 8th through 11th in Chicago. And we'd love for you to join us. Our early bird rate expires August 31st, something to keep in mind. So Lisa, we've been talking every month about how we can shift a perspective as change yeah. leaders, we have this choice about the perspective or the definition or the viewpoint we embrace. And today we're talking about death. And I actually titled our podcast, What's Life? Because I think really death is a part of life. And it's the conversation that we don't want to have that I think in some way makes life harder. Here's the irony, though. I think what happens during a caregiving experience is that you live with death in such a way that you are battling it that it wears you down. And it feels like death equates our failure in a caregiving situation. When our caree dies, it's because we didn't ask the right questions or we didn't find the right treatment or we just didn't do enough. And that makes the experience that much harder. How did you come to terms with death when you were caring for your mom? Oh, it's such a great question because I, like you, share this view that today's podcast, The Subject of Death, is so very complex. It mm-hmm. brings up different emotions. It brings up conflicting beliefs all of us have. Where we've talked about Uh, success and hope and courage in our other podcasts, they were emotions and feelings we could control, we could change. Death, the subject of death and caregiving, I agree with you, is about a much more integrated partnership, a coexistence between two or more people. It's not as easy to unilaterally change that view. And I know when, when I was dealing with my mom, the point you made, um, caregivers by the very definition of their role are perpetually facing death through their work. So they're constantly reminded of mortality. You know, the rest of us can put that away and not think about it and not have to think about our fears. But as I went through the 18-year dementia journey with, our mom, with my mom, um, the thought of her death really never put me at peace. Mm. Uh, I, I'm sure over those 18 long years, you know, I, the disease of dementia, I know, became debilitating to her. But I could only focus on my own selfish view of death, of the loss I would experience with her death. You know, the loss of her company, the loss of the life we built through caregiving that was different than the life my mom and I shared before she got ill. I didn't want to give those things up. And it became very difficult to accept the thought of her death because it meant loss. It's interesting, you introduced it as failure, death equivalent mm-hmm. to failure, and I agree with that. 
death equivalent to failure and caregiving is such a common feeling. But it's also the ultimate loss, mm. which was hard for me. Um, and I carried that right through into grief. And I think what's exciting about today's podcast subject is you're casting this as life versus death because it's ultimately going to happen and our acceptance of that ultimate experience. When I do a workshop around the concept I developed, which stages the caregiving experience, I always Mm -hmm. begin the conversation with who here has known someone who's lived forever? And there's always people that start to raise their hand and they're like, oh, no, I don't know anyone who's lived forever. And yet we believe it's true for us and our family members that we are the ones that will escape death. Absolutely. I, uh, and it is, I, you know, I, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, and it is something that is, that brings up this tremendous fear for us. How do we cope with this significant loss? How do we do it? How do we keep going when someone who's very important to us dies? It's, it's almost too much to think about, too much to bear. I think um, uh, as I was thinking through this in our talk, I was thinking about, you know, I grew up in high tech. Um, so I've been a Steve Jobs follower for years. I don't think he's a role model for the way in which he lived his life, but I've always been very moved by the way in which he shared his journey out loud with all of us through a liver transplant, pancreatic cancer, and ultimately his death. And he spoke, uh, he was the commencement speaker at the 2005 um, at Stanford. And when he addressed uh, the graduate because this was five years before his death. He was, he was quite ill. He shared the following thoughts. And I, I think it's important because I think in this concept of in a caregiving role, there are two people dealing with the concept of death, and they're going to deal with it differently. So separating it becomes important. So what, what Steve Jobs said was, um, remembering you'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in my life. Because almost everything just falls away in the face of death, leaving only what's truly important. Remembering that you're going to die is the best way to avoid the trap of thinking you have anything to lose because you're already mm. naked. Death is a destination we will all share. No one has ever escaped it. It is life change agent. You need to have the courage to follow your heart, your intuition, because everything else is secondary. So if we think about our, the loved one that we're caring for, and I don't know that everybody evolves to the level of thinking that Steve Jobs did when they're facing death. But if we can put in context, they're coming to grip grips with their death. Maybe as a caregiver, 
we may think about it differently in the perspective of life. Because our lives do have to go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know what Steve Jobs' last words were? What were they? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I find those words comforting, it's because it feels like he was in awe of what was happening. And I never Mm -hmm. considered him to be a, a... a truly kind human being. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. I was trying to be politically correct. If we can make it to heaven, and we all can. That's what I feel like. He's the benchmark. <laughs> I am kinder than Steve Jobs, so I'm going to make it to heaven. <laughs> yes. Well, I do think that we have... Go ahead. It's the leveler. Yeah, it's it's true. We have to have this relationship with death. And I love that you bring into the conversation this idea that it's two people who, who might have a very different viewpoint on death. And I think about my mom, and she does not want to die. Because it's coming, but she doesn't want it. She is not ready. Oh, she doesn't. She does not want to lose control. And I think for her, the big idea that when she dies, she loses control. She likes to be able to control the family. And it's just interesting to watch what happens because of that relationship she has with death, what happens to the decisions she makes about life, which really goes into what Steve Jobs was talking about. That is interesting. So how do you, as a loved one in a caregiving role, help her? (laughs) Yeah, how do I? (laughs) You come to Chicago and have lunch with me and my mom. (laughs) Oh, my heavens. It's interesting because unless, Someone, unless the one, the individual you're caring for, a loved one, or even if you're a professional caregiver and it's someone in your, your care, how do you help them come to grips with that concept when you're dealing with your own emotional baggage of it? That yeah, is a very right. interesting yeah. question. If they see yeah. no good in it. Mm. Yes. And, and well, control is a yeah. tough one. <laughs> Yes, right. Here's what's interesting about my mom. She is the bereavement minister at her church. She helps families plan a funeral after their loved one has died. And I've tried to use that over the years to start a conversation. And I've not really gotten very far until this year. She fell in January. There was something about the fall that kind of opened up the door. So I was able to have a conversation with my parents about their wishes regarding their funeral. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is the conversation got much farther than it's gotten in the past. We got as far as what type of mass and wake do they want? Mm-hmm. And where do they want to have the lunch after the funeral mass? They both pulled out their iPhone when I asked about <laughs> lunch. <laughs> 
to search local restaurants to see who has a nice private dining room and a good menu. They didn't quite oh, figure wow. out which one, but we, we got that far. I thought that was awesome that we got that far. That is. We awesome. still haven't, yeah, we still haven't made the final decision about cremation, although they are leaning to cremation because I continued the conversation with my younger sister. And I suggested that cremation would be a good idea. And she said, you know what, I would love to have some of their ashes. And I said, that's a great idea. We could split the ashes with each of the Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. children so everybody has a little bit. And I said that to my parents. They're like, oh, that's such a lovely idea. I think we'll do that. But they still have not committed. So I guess we are getting closer around the conversations of death than we have in the past. I wonder if, you know, in my case, uh, my dad had passed away a number of years before my mom, and one of the factors in my mom's sort of mm, looking forward to death was a reunification with my dad. Oh. I, I wonder if oh. when parents are alive together, if that fear is deeper. If they don't see the next part, <laughs> because well, you know together. what? This is actually yes. This is actually interesting. You know what I think it is? My mom will be so mad if she dies before my dad. <laughs> she will just be really. Yes. Really. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> she wants to win that battle of who goes first. <laughs> she wants to go second. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow so it's not just control but it's winning with your mom that's good yes yes <laughs> she wants to win oh my gosh yeah wow <laughs> oh interesting well I applaud the progress you're making because these discussions are difficult and especially when a caregiver like yourself is dealing with their own issues of facing their death, facing our own mortality, mm-hmm. et cetera. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about how you're feeling as you're having these discussions? You know, I feel this pressure to get the conversations secured, I guess. I, I feel the pressure to get the information from them. I feel the pressure to get it before it's too late. So during the conversations, I'm not really focused on myself because I'm so, I need to get this information. There's always that voice in my head, I need to get this information. Um, I, I, I do think that because of our work, we have a tendency to talk about death more than anybody else and experience death more. And the older we get, I think we experience death more than obviously younger people. Yeah. How do you and your husband talk about it? Well, um, in our cases, um, he lost his mom at a very young age. Um, and my dad passed away much younger. So we dealt with one parent each older. And I think the lessons we learned through each of those experiences was about preparing ourselves early, yeah. Um, having the discussions that you're having with your parents among ourselves at a much younger age, having all the paperwork that children of parents 
they're caring for are having to do under duress, um, those kinds of things. So I think we have, and our view of assisted living and elder care living, which I think is true of our generation, is changing. That yes. it is it is more proactive than it is reactive in our case. And in our case, we have no children. So we look at each other and say, okay, who's going to do this for us? <laughs> mm, yeah, right. Yeah. But, you know, I actually... as you and I... Did you and I sort of turn this around and we think about, you know, our, our, the ones we're caring for facing death and their definition and emotions and feelings about death, um, I, I, we have to think about ourselves. We mm-hmm. need to think. I mean, grief is going to hit us after death of a loved one, um, but when we think about that death in caregiving while our loved ones are still alive, the only prism we have to look at our emotions through is life's prism, right? We're not facing. As Steve Jobs said, we don't understand the depth of those feelings that the individual facing death is. Whether they accept it or not, we're not feeling those things. So how do we deal with it? It's interesting you said you put it aside when you're having these discussions with your parents. Caregivers are so good at putting aside mm-hmm. their emotions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, gosh, that's true, isn't it? Holy Hannah, yes. absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Y- you know, what's interesting, when I would go with my parents for my dad's regular checkups, with his bladder cancer, I really felt like I was the one that absorbed the news so that they could feel the news. I would take the notes. Mm -hmm. I would make sure the diagnosis was correct. Mm -hmm. I would take all the follow-up information and then I would just let them feel it. And I would deal with how I felt about it later. You're right. We set Mm -hmm. it aside. We set it aside. You know, the what? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So when I think about my own death, I started a conversation with my oldest niece probably six years ago about my own personal wishes, Mm -hmm. what I want, what would be important to me. I think the thing that blooms for me is will I achieve what I want to achieve during my lifetime? Hmm. How will you measure that? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I think, honestly. <laughs> okay, so this is how I'll measure it today. I will feel like I've achieved what I need to achieve when debt is not, I, I, honestly, I think death and, and debt, debt, death and debt are, you know what I'm trying to say, are the two things yeah, that kind of I do. make me think, oh, my gosh, when I have no debt and when I, don't worry that debt will be part of my life. I will feel like I've achieved. To me, that's a successful business. I've wow. got over that debt hump. And when uh-huh. I can retire uh-huh. and have a stream of income, that's success. That's success. That's outstanding. That's a very clear measure. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, I, I keep going back to this concept of, of, of caregiving, and that discussion is so great that you're having with your niece because it is about your personal views. It's not weighted by mm-hmm. your parents. It's not weighted mm-hmm. by who you're caring for. It is your personal view. And I, I honestly believe, as I, as I try to sort of sort through my thoughts and getting ready for this podcast, I decided if I had to contrast, right, we separated the individual facing death and their emotions with the caregiver emotions, then I wanted to begin to think about if we could change our concept as caregivers from the fear of death to the acceptance of that death. And the reason is we as caregivers help others fulfill their life journey. So when it comes to whoever will be your caregiver, Denise, if they can help fulfill that definition of your care journey, then they've been successful. And you have as well. <gasps> right. Right? Can we yeah. make it yeah. It's simple because, as Stephen Jobs says, it's simple, but it's really complex. We have to define what's really important in death and accept it. Yeah, that's awesome. I also think because I know that death is a part of my life, I want to make sure I mm-hmm. do the most I can within each day. I've been given the gift of another day. What am I going to do with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's this great exercise um, uh, a, a consultant in this field uses all the time, and it's the simplest question of, if you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do? And it's a personal oh, wow. question because each of us answer it differently. I'm sure everyone mm. in the first few of those answers will be, I want to spend time with family. But, again, it's about time and valuing time, exactly what you just said. So what would you do? Well, I've been really faced with that question this week. A a friend of mine who has been battling geoblastoma, uh, the brain disease that uh, Senator McCain has been fighting, Um, and he's had a, my friend has had a tremendously optimistic view, even though, it's a very, very low odds kind of disease in terms of survival. But he got the news last week that the tumors are growing and replicating. So the discussion with the doctor was one of, you know, it's time to put your affairs in order. So as I've been thinking about him and I've been thinking about, you know, what I would do um, because he is now having to do that, I, I, I would do the most meaningful things to me, which is surrounding myself with my best and closest family and friends and really living life fully. And isn't that what we should be doing each and every day? Yeah. Each and every day. Because, you know, the fact that time is of the essence Go back to what you said very early in this. You know, no, you, nobody knows anybody who's lived forever. So time is of the essence for all of us. 
Mm-hmm. Who says a caregiver is going to outlive the person they care for? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. And, oh, by the way, our odds get worse and worse as we uh, don't take care of ourselves as caregivers. Yes, exactly. Right, <laughs> right, right. We, yeah, because we set that aside, too. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we, we set it aside for another time, which is interesting. So we, we set our, aside our feelings for another time. We set aside our health for another time. And the time is now. Because that's the time we have. So we've got just about a minute left. As Stephen Jobs says, oh, wow, oh, wow, Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that so comforting to hear those words, though, because it makes you feel like, oh, I kind of want to see that. I'd like to know what that is, what that looks like. And another reason not to fear it, right? Right. I think we fear we fear it when we're the ones left behind. Absolutely. That is hard. That is hard. That is hard. Yeah, we can't dis we can't discount grief because grief is the natural uh, transformative process for those of us who remain. We will go through it. Yeah. I wonder if next month we could talk about grief. I think it's a, it's a great next step from these discussions. Okay. Okay. And I'm writing it down so I don't send you an email the day of and say, oh, my gosh, what are we talking about? <laughs> That's okay. I'll remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This was great. So, Lisa, for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you, what's your website address? My website is www.lisabcap.com, and CAP is C-A-P-P. Okay. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's always great to connect. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Denise, and happy birthday. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.